Let's open our hearts to receive words of truth and life from, through the pastor from the Lord. You know, I'm really grateful that you guys came out tonight. Because if nobody showed up, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun. I mean, I could encourage myself, and believe me, I would. I'd have to if no one showed up. But it's better when we can encourage each other. And when we can see people that are family in the Lord. And I'm very grateful for each one of you that are here. Let's start, and let's, pr- um, let's start with prayer. Father, I thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, and that you watch over your word to accomplish it, and that we have not arrived at this point in time except that you've already been here, that you've seen it, that you have a plan for each person that's here to fulfill your word, to walk in to a destiny that is both victorious and glorious. And I thank you for that. Father, I ask you tonight to open up our eyes and our ears to see and to hear the truth as you want us to see and hear it. Lord, not with, with uh, my slant of, of truth or someone else's man's slant, but Father, that by your spirit of truth, that you would divide to us on the inside, that you would teach us, that you would unveil and reveal to us the things which we should lay a hold of, and, and even places, Lord, that we might have become hardened against or do not believe, Lord, that you would show that to us so that we can be tender before you. We yield our time to you tonight. We invite you to have your way here in Jesus' name. And who can say amen? Amen. And um, we're going to continue in our series that I've titled Declare a Thing. This is uh, sermon number four. I preached one, and then Apostle Dale preached one, and then two more now. Uh, this will be the number fourth, fourth one, I guess. You can find the others online and listen to those. And I want to make a point to, to, to be very strong about that. You know, if this is your house, if this is the place the Lord has hooked you up with, you need to go on and listen to those sermons. The Lord is giving me specific sermons, specific words for you. And if you belong here, then you have the responsibility to make sure you're hearing those. It's not because I'm special, it's because the Lord is special. All right? And so if you say, this is the place the Lord hooked me to, then even if you're not here, go online. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Listen to the sermons and, and stay with where we're at. Because I can't tell you how many times that I will address an issue, I'll make an announcement, I'll share truth. And the next week or two, I'll have people asking me about it and they weren't here. Happens all the time. And so I'm just saying that shouldn't be happening because you guys should be going online and hearing it for yourself and the question would already be answered. Alright? So if if you say, well, Pastor, I don't know that I have that kind of time. Oh yeah, you do. If you have time to sit in front of the TV, you have time to listen to something. I find... um, when, when it's a, something, a routine that you're doing that doesn't take much thought, it's a great time to listen to things, whether it be driving or, or showering or whatever, right? It's a good time to be filling yourself 
with things that are going to put a deposit in you that will bear fruit and not be um, just a wasted time. All right, if you would, um, you can find the book of Proverbs, probably Proverbs 10. Let's do a little bit of review. And up on the screen, if you would put in the New King James, Job's, Job 22, verse 28, Job 22, 28. And we have been looking at the power of our words and that things that we say, that they matter. And in Job 22, in verse 28, it says, You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. Now, the thing that we've already pointed out is in Job, we know that there's a number of of things said in there that may have been truth, but they were not um, applied in truth. For example, this particular scripture was used by Job's friends to beat him over the head. And they were telling him, if you would just love the Lord as much as you love silver and gold, that these things would happen for you. Now what they were saying was truth in so much as the Lord will do the things they mentioned, but it wasn't the case that he loved silver and gold more than the Lord. So they were falsely accusing him. And then later at the end of the book of Job, you see they had to repent for those things which they said. Not because what they said wasn't true, but the way they said it, the motive they used behind saying it, was not right. So here we see that these scripture, this is a truth. You will also declare a thing. Someone say, I will also declare a thing. And it will be established for me. So light will shine on my ways. See, when we declare something, we are planting. We're planting seeds. And we're putting seeds into the ground. And you ever notice if you'd take an acorn and you'd put it down in the ground and you'd cover it up with soil, you don't see what you planted anymore. It it was planted and you don't expect the first day that the next morning when you wake up there to be a mighty oak tree where you planted an acorn. No, these things take time. It's seed, time, harvest. And so, when our words work much the same way, and when we plant our words as seeds, we should not become discouraged because we don't see an immediate result. I've used um, in James, you know, in James chapter 3, he talks about how the tongue is like the rudder on a ship, and that wherever the governor of the ship wants to go, or, or some translations say wherever the pilot of the ship likes, I like that language better, Wherever the pilot of the ship wants to go, all he needs to do is turn the rudder. But you know, on when you have a really big ship and they're out at sea, and you say, okay, we want to we go to the right, and you begin to turn that wheel to the right, the ship doesn't turn like a zero-turn mower and go, and immediately go to the right. right. It takes a little while for things to begin to happen. In fact, the first moment, you may think nothing's happening at all. They turn, but we're not turning. Yeah, it takes some while, but if you keep pressure applied at the right place and you keep the wheel turned and you keep at it long enough, eventually that whole ship will change directions entirely. And that's how it is with our life. When we use our words and when we plant seeds into the ground for us, we can't just sit... Because see, when I first came across the whole thing about the power of, of life and death is in the tongue, and we began to walk in the word of faith and movement, some of my friends around me said, well, so, so you just think that you can say something and it'll happen. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, so you could just say, I'm a millionaire and you're a millionaire. Well, if I said it, then I would be one. But I didn't say that. But what, then I could say that, they said? I said, well, you could say it, but it wouldn't happen because you don't believe it. So you're just saying it like a parrot. But if you'll believe your words, and you allow your words to work, and you don't plant seeds that are in opposition to what you just planted, and you allow the time to operate, and you allow the Word of God to be those seeds. See, there's the natural law of sowing and reaping. You can put wheat in the ground, you get a wheat kernel. But then there is the supernatural law where God supercharges the seed and the growth and turns it into something so much more than what the natural law is. You understand what I'm saying? You can find that in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8 and 9 where he talks about sowing and offering. And he says the God of all grace will make all grace abound toward you so that in all things, in all ways, and you, know, you have everything that you need for every good work. That supernatural help to the seed you planted. We can plant in the natural. So, so with my friend, he was like, well, if, if I say I'm a millionaire, I said, well, number one, you don't believe it. Number two, where's the promise of God that you have that you get to declare that? I wasn't arguing with him that he couldn't find a promise to apply to it, but I knew he didn't have one. Because he didn't believe it was God's will for you to be wealthy either. He believed that, you know, the Lord was throwing darts in heaven and he threw it at the dartboard and the ones that hit the bullseye, those guys got rich and the rest were poor. And for him, I said, look, if you will believe the Word of God and you speak the Word of God, if you plant those seeds and you give it time and you believe it, those seeds will bear fruit and they'll come to life and you'll have what you say. But in the body of Christ today, many of us, we have been in the habit of saying what we have. We've been too busy talking about what we have rather than saying what we will have. Let me say it a different way, and some of you may not like this at all, and I don't look like I care much right now. <laughs> but it's still going to be the truth. If you don't like your life today, you're, okay, let me say it a different way, even, even stronger. Your life today is a result of the seeds you planted with your mouth in the past. Like it or love it, that's the truth. Your life today is the result of what you've planted from your mouth in the past. If you don't like your life today, start planting something different with your mouth. You will also declare a thing and it will be established to you and light, will not darkness, light will shine in your way. Light will shine in your way. Who is the Father of lights? See, if you'll take the Word of God and you apply it from your mouth, from a heart that believes what you're saying, and you plant those seeds, and then you continue to... See, some of us have planted seeds, but then we gave up. Your faith will never outlast your patience. If you've been, if you've been saying some things, and you've been planting with your mouth, and you're becoming weary because I've been planting that for two years now, and I haven't seen the fruit of it, don't give up. Faith and patience is what it takes. And if you run out of patience, yeah, that's going to be the new, it's a combination of faith and patience. Patience. That's good. Patience. If you run out of 
patience, you've also run out of faith. Someone may say, well, I'm not so sure that my life is the result of my words. There are things in your life that are certainly not the result of your words. I'm not, not arguing that at all. We live in a fallen world where things happen around us. But the fact that the Lord gave us a way to deal with those things, and it's going to be primarily coming from your mouth. You can start to look through Scripture and you just begin to look at all the times it mentions those who declare and those who say, and I will say, I will declare, and what you say with your mouth determines whether you go to heaven or hell. I mean, it is a big deal. The power of your words carry eternal significance for you. And in Romans 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says the word of faith that we speak. This is the word of faith that we speak. And he goes on and says, if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that He's been raised from the dead, you will be saved. Now, if the Creator of the universe saw fit to make the single most important thing in your life, your salvation, to operate upon the fact of whether you speak or not, why would the other things in life be any less important what's coming out of our mouth? As far as why would they operate on a different law? You know, for, for salvation it works that way, but nothing else. Everything else doesn't matter what I say. I can just speak death or, or a bunch of idleness and it doesn't matter. But no. See, last week I told you guys that think of it as though your words are, are capsules, like pill capsules, and they either carry life in it, or death in it, or they're empty, idle. In other words, they're, they're useless. They don't have a, a good value, a bad value, they're just taking up space. So Jesus talked about idle words and about, um, maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. I thought we would last week, but we didn't. So, so the words, the capsules that are coming out of your mouth, the containers that are coming out of your mouth, um, what are, what's in them? Or, I said tonight, they're seeds. Are they seeds of life? Are they seeds of death? Are they just empty shells? Are you following me? And we cannot plant seeds and just think, well, I'm going to have this harvest overnight. On some things you will because there are miracles. But for the most part, the natural law of sowing and reaping is going to be working in your life. If you want supernatural, more quick results, quicker results, then speak what God said. Now you go from the natural law to the supernatural. And not just speak it, but believe that which you say, and you will have that which you say. In, in 1 John 4.15 it says this, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God... God abides in Him, and He in God. See the importance of your words? I'll say it again. Your words result in your salvation, or not. That's how important words are. You know, I made the comment a little bit ago that... I'm, I'm going to go just a little bit slower here, because I feel like there's some... We need to drive this point home because it's anchored upon our confession. Heaven and hell is anchored upon our belief and confession. Not belief and thoughts. Belief and confession. Right? If you took an unsaved person that had never made Jesus the Lord of their life and he realized that, you know, I'm on the way to hell. 
And if he begins to just say what he has, you know, I'm lost. I'm a lost, dirty, rotten sinner. You know, I'm on the way to hell. My future's dark. I mean, my future after I die is hell. And he would just continue to say what he has. That's not helping him at all, is it? But did you know that he could, he could have what he says if he would begin to say something different? He could begin to say, you know, I believe Jesus has been raised from the dead. I believe that. And just like that, he's translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He stopped saying what he has and started having what he says now. Or vice versa. Whichever way you're looking at it, whichever angle, whichever side. And so we need to begin to realize that we don't have to say what we have, but we can have what we say. So what are you saying? See, we shouldn't just say whatever we feel. Your feelings are dirty, rotten, lying scoundrels. Your feelings are just lying vanities. Let's put it that way. Lying vanities. Sometimes your feelings are very much speaking towards a truth about something you're experiencing, but our feelings are fickle. They change. Your feelings change based on if you're hungry or not. Based on if you forgot your coat or not. I mean, you can be happy as a lark and someone walk up and slap you inside the face and suddenly your feelings are very different than they were a minute ago. See, they're fickle. They're changeable. They're not reliable. And yet so often we talk what we feel rather than speaking what is truth. See, there is, is in the natural those are facts, but those are not the truth. Right? The fact is you cannot walk on water unless it's frozen. That's the fact. Yet Peter looked at a higher truth when Jesus says come to him and he gets out of the boat. He walks on the water. Right? Paul said it this way. He said, we don't look at what is seen, but on what is unseen. See, what is seen is, yeah, those are the facts. Yes, your feelings are whatever they are, down and out, depressed, whatever they are, or angry, or upset, or alone, or whatever the feeling is, but those are just feelings. You know, sometimes we feel, man, I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like God's not talking to me. I feel like, instead of saying what you have, or what your feelings are claiming you have, agree with what He says you have. I mean, is God a liar? He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So don't you ever say that you're alone in something again. Because you are calling Him a liar. See, our words are so powerful, and yet we get caught up looking at facts rather than at the higher truth of what He said. And if you believe what He said, you can too, like Peter, walk on water. You know, none of the other disciples walked on water. First of all, none of them apparently wanted to. Or if they wanted to, they didn't believe Him when He said, come. Because Peter's the only one that believed Him for a while. Until he started looking at the wind and the waves and all the concerns of life that were suddenly looking like they were going to overwhelm him. And he started comparing himself to the natural wind and waves he was seeing rather than the Word of God to the wind and waves he was seeing. And the results were he began to sink. Now one of the most comforting things in all the Bible is that even though he was doubting, he cried out to the Lord and the Lord did not let him drown. But rescued him and brought him back to the boat. And then gave him instruction on how to keep that from happening. 
<clears throat> Do you want to be wise? All right, so you don't just say what you feel. Proverbs 16.23 says, The heart of a wise person instructs his mouth. The heart of a wise person tells himself what to say. The heart of a wise person doesn't just go off at the mouth with what he's feeling. I like to use my negative feelings. It might even be a headache, for example. All right? I like to use my negative feelings as a gauge on a dashboard is that it is telling me it is time for me to declare something different than that what that gauge is telling me. Oh, my head's starting to hurt. Rather than saying what I have, you know what, headache? You leave in the name of Jesus. I am the heel of the Lord. He perfects those things which concern me. I walk in divine health, and I am at peace in every part of my body. Every cell and every atom of my body is at peace because He paid the price for my peace, and I believe it. And in that way, you simply look at, you can have what you say. It works for me. Someone might say, well, that doesn't work for me. Well, you need to start putting it to practice. Start planting those seeds. You believe what you're reading in the Word. Don't look at it as, well, that was for them. That was for the disciples. Stop disqualifying the promises for you. And just have childlike faith and believe them. And say, yep, I believe it, Lord. It's so. In September of... uh, 1493, it was a 19-year-old young man named uh, Juan Ponce de Leon, and he went with Christopher Columbus on his second journey to the Americas by ship, and he ends up sometime later becoming the governor for a short time of Puerto Rico. Well, it was about 20 years after that trip that they decided to send him up to what we know as Florida today to explore Florida. And when he goes, it's 1513. It's the first known European expedition of Florida. Obviously, there was people living there. And um, we're told whether it's myth or whether it's true, um, people disagree. But they claim that he was looking for the fountain of youth in Florida. And that he searched all over the place and he ends up not finding it. Now, he didn't find the fountain of youth not because it didn't exist, but because he was looking in the wrong place. It very much exists. And you can actually tap into it if you want to. Put up on the screen in the NIV or in the New King James, either one's fine. Psalms 36 verse 9. Psalms 36 verse 9. The fountain of youth or the fountain of life, we'll call it tonight. If, if he would have just realized that this fountain that he's looking for is an inch below his nose, he could have saved himself a lot of trouble and a lot of time and probably had more success yet. Here in, uh, in Psalms, it says, for with you is the fountain of life. Someone say, with me is the fountain of life. In your light. Okay, so let me, let me just back up a little bit. The psalmist is writing this about the Lord. With you, Lord, is the fountain of life. Okay, now where, who is the temple of the Holy Ghost in here? Okay, so that means in you now. With you is the fountain of life. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, so you have the fountain of life. Alright, he says, for with you is the fountain of life. With you, Lord, is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. 
In your revelation, we have more revelation. Remember that you will declare a thing and it will be established for you and light will shine on your ways. Well, here's another different way of saying it. For with you, Father, is the fountain of life and He lives within us and in your light we see light. Jesus said it this way in John 7.38. He said, Whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now here's my question to you. How do liver, livers, yeah, how do livers of living water, how, how do rivers of living water flow out of an individual except out of their mouth? It doesn't flow out of your fingertips. It doesn't flow out of your ears. It comes out of your mouth. Rivers of living water. Not rivers of stagnant water or, or dead water. Rivers of living water. He, he said also in John 6.63, He said, The Spirit is the one who gives life. Flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, everyone say words. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. There's that rivers of living water coming out of Jesus' mouth. Your words are alive. Especially if you've been born again. And you have living water. Fountains of living water. The fountain of life that comes out of your mouth. The fountain of youth, if you will, that comes out of your mouth. Why would I say the fountain of youth and the fountain of life is one and the same thing? Well, because. That's not hard to explain, is it? The Father, He is the fountain of life. And he also said if we wait on him, he'll renew our youth. So use your mouth that way. And, and use it as a fountain of life. Did you find Proverbs 10 yet? We eventually got there. Proverbs 10, and let's look at some scriptures on this. 10.11 says, The mouth of the righteous, someone say that's my mouth, is a fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous. Now, who are the righteous except that those who have proclaimed the name of Jesus? Right? He took our sin. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, He made us to be righteous. So, we are the righteous. We are the saints. You know, don't, don't go around. There's that old dirty doctrine that says, I'm just a dirty old sinner. Well, if you are, then get born again and you won't be. Right? You're not a dirty old sinner. You've been made a saint. You've been made the righteousness of God. Stop talking dirty about God's righteousness. See, it's a, it's a whole identity issue. Do you identify as His and, and with Him? Or do you identify as this decaying flesh? The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Say, my mouth is a fountain of life. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Look at verse 21. The lips of the righteous feed many. The lips of the righteous feed many. How can your lips feed someone? Are you like a mother bird that spits food out of your mouth to the little birds? No, that's not the way. But by the words, the fountain of life that comes out, Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. And we're to be like Him. We're to be imitators of God. God's Word brought... He created the world, right? 
by his words, by Jesus. Jesus is actually the creator of the world. Look on here at um, verse 31. The mouth of the righteous produces wisdom. See, fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous produces wisdom. Go over to chapter 20 in Proverbs. 25, 20, verse 5. We're talking about the fountain of life is an inch below your nose. It says, counsel in a person's heart is deep water. It's like a deep fountain. Counsel in a person's heart is deep water. But a person of understanding draws it out. A person of understanding pulls it out, draws it out. Go over to chapter 18. And verse 4. We're talking about the fountain of youth. Verse 4 says, The words of a person's mouth are deep waters, a flowing river, a fountain of wisdom. It doesn't get more plain than that, is it? Can we? But in James it says that, you know what? Bitter and sweet water are coming from the same fountain and this ought not to be. Blessing and cursing from the same pie hole. I mean, he words it a little bit differently, but... Right? So we're to have a fountain of life. Our words are to, in Ephesians it says, minister grace to those who hear. What is grace? It's God's enablement, God helping a person do something they cannot do for themselves. Our words are to bring God's help to people who hear it. They're to build up, not tear down. And if you're like most people, you probably have said more bad things about yourself than anyone else has. And if that's the case, you need to cut those things off and start saying good things. And sometimes it's things that we could say are inconsequential things, like, you know, these shoes are killing me. Well, that's an empty confession. We could say it's a death confession. It really, it's not. It's an empty confession because you don't believe that. It's a faithless confession. That's what an empty or idle confession is, is faithless. Now, if a person really truly believes that these shoes are actually taking my life, you better get rid of the shoes. Go get others, right? So we need to say good things about ourselves. It's why it's so powerful to stand in the mirror, look yourself in the eye and say, I am a child of God. I am the righteousness of God. He made me so. The Spirit of God lives in me and I'm a carrier of the Holy Spirit. And when I talk to people, they're blessed by what I say. And you preach to yourself in the mirror like that. In 18 and verse 4, the words of a person's mouth are deep water, a flowing river, a fountain of wisdom. Verse 7 is the other side of it now. It says, a fool's mouth is his devastation, and his lips are a trap for his life. His lips are a trap for his life. Your words can block you from hearing from the Lord. You can say things and put things into motion that will stand and work against you from entering into what the Lord wants you to do. You know, when we first moved to Pennsylvania back in 2011, um, I know many of you have heard this illustration before, but it's just it's so good for bringing this point out, is when I grew up and went through school, I hated school. I despised school. I used to say, I, I, I hope the schoolhouse burns down. 
you know. And, and I had some teachers I liked. I had some teachers that really shouldn't never have been teachers. And we, we went to this uh, Mennonite school, and so it was a three-room uh, three school, and it was through eighth grade, uh, through ninth grade, and we had probably between 50 and 60 students in the school. There was no kindergarten. And so when I went to school, I did not like school. We lived right across the road from the school, and um, I would often imagine the schoolhouse burning down. I mean, I hated the place. I did not like schoolwork. Recess I liked. That was great. But outside of that, I didn't want to go to school. Well, and, and here's the interesting thing. After I left school and after I moved away, the place did burn down. I don't know. Maybe you're looking at the culprit. I mean, I didn't do it, but maybe my words did. But something happened. In 2011, you know, we'd, we'd entered into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We began to understand and we were taught about the word of faith and that our words matter. And so now we're moving to Pennsylvania and we're, our, our, we have at that time um, three little ones. And Adrian was ready to go into first grade. He was going to be starting first grade in the fall here. And we moved in the summer. And so we looked at several different schools. And we got it narrowed down to like three places. We knew we didn't want to send him to a public school. But there, so there was three Christian schools we were looking at. But we didn't know which one. And we're praying and we're asking the Lord which one. Because we believe it's really important that you be led by the Spirit of the Lord on these kind of things. It can be the difference between life and death. It can be the difference between my children having relationships in their life that they're supposed to have or not supposed to have, right? So it's a big deal. And so we're praying and I'm just getting no leading. None. Nothing. And we, you know, the one school was going to do this, this, this uh, they were going to help us financially and um, the other schools, I don't know that they were, but I could have made my decision based on that because financially with the scholarship, it was a lot better. That's just being money-led, right? That's not being Spirit of the Lord-led. So I wasn't going to make that decision. I wanted to know, Lord, what do you want? What is best? And so um, I go up. We were staying across the street in the camp, cottage, one of the cottages over here because we didn't have a house yet. And I went up into the, uh, the school, actually called and said, not... Keep in mind, I didn't know any of the teachers' names. Uh, but the school called me, one of the schools called me and said, hey, we need to know by tomorrow if your child's going to come to this school because that's the cutoff date for, I don't remember what it was, something. And so I said, okay, I'll let you know by then. I'll let you know tomorrow. And so I went up into our bedroom. I told Jen, I'm not coming out until I hear from the Lord. And I got on my knees beside the bed and I started praying. And I said, Lord, you know, you said in Romans 8 that the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And I'm not getting led by you on this issue. And I know that it's not your fault. It has to be with me, the hang-up, because you want to lead me more than I want to be led based on your word. That's what you said. So I have to be the problem. So Father, show me what the problem is. And like a recording playing on the inside, I began to hear all those word curses that I had spoken out over school and about hating school and I hate school and I hate my teachers and I don't like my work and boy, blah, 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 blah. Just hearing that play. So I immediately repented of that and I cut those words off. Now, unfortunately, that school had burned a couple years earlier. But if this had happened before then, maybe it wouldn't have. But I cut those words off. I took authority over those words. I repented of those words in the name of Jesus. I cancel 
those death confessions and I plead the blood of Jesus over those confessions. And Father, I speak life and blessing over the Ozark Mennonite school and over their teachers. And Father, I thank you that you brought me through a school that, of people that loved you. Thank you that you brought me to, that you taught me, you put me in a place that taught me how to read and write. I began to thank him and speak blessing over that school as well as the three schools that we were looking at. And so then I turned and I said, all right, Lord, where do you want me to send Adrian to school? And this is what I heard on the inside. He said, um, he'll go to Hinkletown, and he, that was where we ended up sending him. He'll go to Hinkletown, and his teacher will be Miss Rogers. And it was so plain on the inside that I didn't believe it at first. I was like, that was too easy. I'm just making things up. All right, all right, clear my mind, start over, reset. Lord, where do you want me to send Adrian? And again, I did that three times until we got through the stupid and I realized that this is the Lord, and there's an easy way to test it, right? Call the school and ask him who the first grade teacher is. The Lord said, his teacher's going to be Ms. Rogers. So I called the school and said, hey, who's the first grade teacher? And they said, oh, her name's Jackie Rogers. So there we were. But notice how my words had laid, what does it say here in Proverbs 18, 7? A fool's mouth is his devastation. His lips are a trap for his life. They were stopping me from being led by the Spirit of the Lord because they had been planted and they had grown an oak tree that was standing in the way. And I had to cut that tree down to be able to take new ground. And so if you have been guilty of planting seeds over your body just cancel them you don't have to remember every single thing just say you know what those death confessions you know when you say things like oh yeah you know when i that'll probably happen to me when i'm old now quit it you are creating that for you where's adrian is he downstairs okay i'm gonna tell on him ask him how he likes chess after the service Last night, we decided to play chess, and um, so we, had, we decided to do an unconventional game of chess, and we had um, Jan and Carson on one team, and me and Adrian on the other team, and then we take turns going, and you're not allowed to talk at all as far as strategy or what you're going to do. You know, we had the rule that you're allowed to voice pleasure or displeasure with the move they made, but it's too late. You know, they can't take it back. So we are having a great time. And we get to a point in the game and Adrian goes, I'm going to make a stupid move. I can just tell it. Uh, I'm sorry in advance for the dumb move I'm about to make. And he goes and sold the farm on something. <laughs> Made a completely dumb move. Did not see the other piece that was going to wipe out the main piece we needed, right? Our queen. I looked at him and I said, you know, you, you created that with your mouth. You said, I'm going to do this, and then you did it. How could, why did you not say something different? Like, I'm going to make a smart move. And you, and you look at that and say, well, it's just a game. Yeah, and if it plays that way out in a simple thing like a game, how's it playing out in your life? What are you saying that's coming to pass? And you think you're just saying, well, this is what is. Are you? Are you actually laying it out for it to continue that way? All right, go to verse 20 in Proverbs 18 here. I mean, we laughed about it. You know, but in the moment, it was probably good that I couldn't say more. Our speaking rule. What was that? Yeah, we did win. So, Thankfully, because of the words I'd put out for us. 
Here, here's another thing. You see this play out with children. Is one child will call another child a name. Or something silly. Like, you're an elephant. You're an elephant. And the other child's like, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. You're an elephant. No, I'm not an elephant. Yeah, you're an elephant. Mom, he says I'm an elephant. Well, when I would hear things like that when our children were littler, I would be like, well, are you? Well, no. Well, then why are you stressing about it? (laughs) See, the thing, here's the thing. Other people... Don't allow other people to have more authority over you with their words than you do with your words. It doesn't matter what you say about me because I know what I say about me. I don't even have to have the last confession. The last word. Because that's another child thing, right? They have to be the last one to say it because if someone else says something different, it's immediately invalidated because they don't believe what they're saying. But if you'll get past that and realize that the words I laid out last week for me trump what you say about me next week, come on. I believe my words. I mean, you apply this to you. I'm applying it to me. And that someone else's declaration over you doesn't define what's true for you. But your words are true for you. Now, there is a way that their declaration over you will be truth. If you agree with it. If you agree with it. Yeah, that's right. You're an idiot. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. I'm an idiot. See, now, now their word holds sway. Also to the positive. You know, you're just blessed in favor of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, thank you. See, that's words that are bringing grace to those who hear. And then the person goes, yeah, I agree with that. I am blessed in favor of the Lord. See what's happening? So watch what you speak over others, but also take personal responsibility and realize that what you say stands about you. Obviously, this is under the umbrella. You need to hear this through the umbrella of speaking the Word over your life. I mean, if you want supernatural results, you have to plant supernatural seeds. And the Word is supernatural. Go with me. Oh, no, we were going to look at verse 20 and 21 here. Um, it says, From the fruit of a person, we're in, in Proverbs 18, from the fruit of a person's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is filled with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's say this Death and life are in the power of my tongue, and I love it. And I will eat its fruit. That's good. First Samuel. Find First Samuel 30. First Samuel 30, and I'll begin to... Okay, so the, the back story is, is the battle that were... Um, David and his mighty men had joined the enemy. They had gone to live there because of Saul chasing him away, right? And so the enemy wanted David to go with them into battle against the Israelites. And David's like, yeah, sure. Now, I think he had other plans. I think he was planning on on pulling some maneuvers. But the enemy king's generals decide, this is a bad idea. Don't let him go with us. He's going to turn on us in the middle of battle. 
And so the king says, all right, David, you don't go. So they leave the battlefield. They hadn't been fighting yet, but they'd been in the encampment. They leave and head back home. When they get home, okay, now another side note, history, that battle is the one where Saul and his sons were killed, and which ended up, now David was able to enter into the kingship. Well, they go back home, and this is what they arrived to at home. In verse 1 of 30, David and his men arrived in Ziklag on the third day. The Amalekites had raided the Negev and attacked and burned Ziklag. They also had kidnapped the women and everyone in it from youngest to oldest. They had killed no one, but had carried them off as they went on their way. How would you like to get home and realize someone has kidnapped my, my wife and children? Didn't kill them. I mean, that's good news. But now it's also terrifying to think about what might be happening to them. Verse 3, When David and his men arrived at the town, they found it burned. Their wives, sons, and daughters had been kidnapped. David and the troops with him wept loudly until they had no strength left to weep. Do you think they're feeling some things right here? Man, they are feeling some things. I mean, how would you feel when your family's gone? Everything you own, burned, looted, hauled off. You know, this isn't the internet. I don't have an Apple tag, air tag with them in their luggage that I can track them. You know, their phone trackers, whatever. None of that. Don't know where they went. Don't know what's happening to them. Are they even alive? We don't know. All these questions, dealing with fear, dealing with discouragement. I mean, come on, Lord. We're serving You. Why would this happen to us? See, we live in a fallen world where the enemy brings things against us. But what are we doing about it? That's the question. So right here, it says that they, they wept loudly until they had no strength left to weep. That, that's some weeping. Verse 5, David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had also been kidnapped. David was in an extremely difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him. For they were all very bitter over the loss of their sons and daughters. See, David, we never should have went with those, whoever it was, Philistines, whoever, out to battle. We left them back here defenseless. And they're getting ready to turn on David. Is David anointed of the Lord? Do their feelings care? Not really. They're feeling some things. And it looks like everyone has kind of turned against him. It says, but David... This translation says, found strength in the Lord his God. The literal is David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David, one translation says, encouraged himself, but encouraging yourself strengthens you, right? Strengthened himself. It doesn't say that David called up someone on the telephone and said, man, I need you to pray for me. I mean, we do that from time to time. But James actually says, if you're in trouble, pray for yourself. I know. I didn't write it. Stop looking at me that way. (laughs) But here, he doesn't have someone to call. But you know what? He does have someone. He has his own mouth, and he has the Lord. And he strengthens himself in the Lord. Now, you can go back and read in the book of Psalms. There's plenty of places where he does that. 
He uses his mouth to strengthen himself. He speaks to himself. And those declarations that are in this book and that we've been going through on the overhead the last couple of weeks, that is one of the ways you strengthen yourself. There are times where I've, I feel a little bit defeated and down and out, and so I'll go in and I'll grab a book of declarations that I use, and I go through it, and man, when I'm done with that, I'm, fi- I'm feeling all tigerish. And it's not about my feelings, but the point is, is I feel strengthened. And I would much rather feel strengthened than feel defeated. Because if I feel strengthened, I'm probably going to act differently than I do when I feel defeated. He strengthened himself in the Lord. What happened? It says, David said to the priest, Abathar, son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it to him, and David asked the Lord, should I pursue these raiders? Will I overtake them? So he's still going to seek the Lord. He'd encouraged himself, but now he needs the Lord's direction. The Lord replied to him, pursue them, for you will certainly overtake them and rescue the people. So David and the 600 men went with him. And they came to the Wadi Besor, where some stayed behind. And if you read later, you'll see it was because they were too tired. And they didn't have strength. Because guess they weren't strengthening themselves like David had. In verse 10, David and the 400 of the men continued the pursuit while 200 stopped because they were too exhausted to cross the Wadi Besor. Now let's just jump down for the sake of time to verse 18. So they end up... Um, they, they captured someone and they told them where to find them. And so they, they attack them and they slaughter them a whole evening and the next day and almost get, get, kill most of them. And in verse 18, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. He also rescued his two wives. None of their, nothing of theirs was missing from the youngest to the oldest, including the sons and daughters, and all the plunder the Amalekites had taken. David got everything back. He took all the flocks and herds which were driven ahead of the other livestock and the people shouted, this is David's plunder. Would this have happened if he wouldn't have opened? I mean, they were ready to kill him. There was division. I mean, isn't this just like the enemy that when he comes in and tries to strike someone, he will try to discourage, he'll try to divide, he'll try to bring strife in. This is exactly what was going on. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. He used his mouth. He used his tool. It's the number one tool that you have for fighting. Your mouth. And he used that. He encouraged himself. And the Lord showed him what to do. And they had a great victory. And Psalm 119 is an amazing psalm. I encourage everyone to read it. Just from time to time, go back and read it. It's one of those psalms that when I'm like, hmm, uh, I don't really have anything stirring where I should read, go read Psalms 19. You'll get stirred. It talks again and again about the power of the Word, loving the Word, what the Word does for you, the use of the Word. And here in, in verse 162, he says, I rejoice over your Word like one who finds vast treasure. I rejoice. The only time you rejoice over something like its vast treasure is if you hold it in great esteem. If you really value it. He valued the Word of God. This is the kind of thing that will encourage you when you find the Word. I rejoice over your Word. Like one. Why over His Word? Because there's promises. 
And if you'll speak the promises, if you read and you speak the promises of God, faith rises up. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So hear the Word. Jesus is that Word. When you hear the Word, faith wells up on the inside of you and that then results in victory. I rejoice over your promise or over your Word like one who finds great plunder is really the, the literal. Great plunder means spoils of battle is the literal meaning of that. Spoils of battle with whom? Isn't there Scripture that says the enemy is going to have to pay it back seven times? See, Paul said we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. Alright, it's time to make them pay. It's time to make them pay. And how do you do that? By enforcing it with your mouth. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed from heaven. How do you bind and loose things? With your mouth. Use what God has given you to walk in the victory He's already established for you. You know that Scripture that says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Not think so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And what all are you redeemed from? There's a whole list of things. Right? Redeemed from sin. Redeemed from death. Redeemed from hell, redeemed from sickness, redeemed from poverty, redeemed from the curse of the law, which encompasses all those things. Redeemed from all of these things. Does that mean you won't ever bump into some of those things? No, of course not. But when you bump into them, you know what to do about it. I want to close, but I'd like to use an example first. Let's go over to Mark 5. This is a well-known example Worship team, you can make your way up. It's going to be just a little bit yet. So, In Mark 5, let's look at verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around Him while He was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at His feet and begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Now we know that this girl was 12 years old, it tells us later. So his little daughter, he's referring to as a 12-year-old. So, so if you're 12, we can still call you little. I'm just teasing you guys. He says, My daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. Is he speaking something? Yes. Is he requesting something? Yes. Notice he did not say that my daughter's dying and I want you to come and, and comfort me in her death. He didn't say, I want you to come and lay hands with her and, and on her and so that she can die. I want you to lay hands on her so, so that she can do what? Live. That was something specific he's looking for. And he's saying it. So, what happens? So Jesus went with him. You know, there's not one single time in Scripture that Jesus ever refused to heal someone that came to Him. Not once. That's good news. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Everyone wants to hear the great teacher. His fame has gone out everywhere. They're trying to shoulder their way through the crowds. His disciples are with them. They're probably forming a little pocket around him trying to get people to move, work their way through the crowd. 
There's now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years. Do you think she has some feelings? Do you think she might feel discouraged? Yeah. Had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. That's discouraging if you'll let it. Spent everything, went to all the experts, and I just got worse. Hmm. Verse 27. Having heard about Jesus, faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God, the good news. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind Him in the crowd and touched His clothing. Not even Him, just His clothing. For she said, if I just touch His clothes, I'll be made well. Now what if she would have said, I just don't know if I can get to Him through the press of the people. I just don't know if I have the strength or that I can sneak. Because remember, she's unclean. She's bleeding. She's supposed to stay away from people. She's supposed to declare unclean. I just don't know if I can do it. I just don't know if I can go undetected through that crowd without getting stoned. I just don't know. And furthermore, the doctors don't know what to do and I've just gotten worse. What's the point? I don't know. I'm going to go down there and see if I can find Jesus, but I, I don't know. Probably My luck, it probably won't be able to get through the crowd. I'm talking like some of you have talked. But I'm believing that talk stops. And you start saying like she did. She laid her words out in front of her. Now she got supernatural results real quick. But she said, I don't know how long she'd heard about him and how long she'd been saying this. But she was like, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be made well. I will be made well. If I can just touch his clothes, I will be made well. Not maybe. Not hopefully. If I can touch a point of contact. When this happens, this happens. That's what she's saying. And that's what happened. Verse 29, instantly her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Now, God did not love her more than He would love you or I. We can also have what we say. Faith comes from hearing the good news about Jesus. And the good news about Jesus is that whosoever will may come. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased. She sensed in her body that she's healed of her affliction. Man, it must have been difficult not to shout and jump up and down right there in the spot. But if I do, people will know who it is. And so I better just behave myself like a good little girl and wiggle my way through the crowd and get away. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and said, Who, who touched my clothes? And if you read in... in some of the other Gospels, it gives a little bit more detail about the conversation that happened next. And, and he says here in, in this account, it says, Who touched me? And he was looking around to see who had done this. And in, in, well, in verse 31, his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and you ask who touched you? Like, hello, everyone's touching you. you see, yeah, but this is different. I felt power go out of me. Someone had put a draw on the Lord. It wasn't Jesus' faith that healed this woman. Because he didn't even know who it was. Jesus did not know everything. Now, some people don't know that. 
He didn't know there wasn't figs on the tree and he walked out, it says, to see if there was figs on the tree and there was none. So he cursed the fig tree. He didn't know. He went to go investigate. He didn't just know everything. There was things he knew. It tells us when he knew it or when he didn't know it. This was one of the times where he didn't know who it was. Else he would have just turned around and started talking to her. Who, who was it? And so finally they're searching around and she realizes that, oh, cat's out of the bag. Verse 33, the woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Man, she told him the whole story. I mean, how she'd spent with all the doctors and all these things. And meanwhile, Jarius is standing over here going, man, come on, let's go. <laughs> My daughter's dying and you want to give testimony. Come on, go. This is an emergency. I bet he had feelings. She's going on and on and on about this. And, and oh, now Jesus is going to talk to her. And he says, daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. And while he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? See, I knew it. That crazy bleeding woman interrupted Jesus. We could have been to the house by now. See, that's just my luck. Man, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. I mean, you've all heard things like this, right? I don't know what he was feeling and what he was thinking. But I know it had to be something like that because of what Jesus said to him. Jesus turns to him. When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid only believe. He wouldn't have needed to say that if Jarius was just like, well, so, I don't care. Jesus is going to fix it. Doesn't matter. He wouldn't have needed to say that. He would have just looked at Jarius and said, all right, let's go. But instead, he's like, don't, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Look at your neighbor and say, only believe. Only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. They came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, but he put them outside. All. He took the child's father and mother, and those who were with him, be Peter, James, John, and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Korom, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up. Now in Luke 8.55 it says, immediately the girl's spirit returned to her. She wasn't just asleep. Jesus said it that way because asleep this is the result that's going to look like she's just sleeping we'll wake her we'll wake her immediately the girl got up and began to walk she was 12 years old at this they were utterly astounded then he told gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat Jarius's words worked for him Jesus had to encourage him part way through though Right? 
and say, look, don't be afraid, only believe. And what does belief do? But it begins to speak. I don't know, but Jarius might have begun to mutter to himself and say, you know what? Jesus is going to fix this. It's going to be all right. Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe. And so he has a plan and he's going to know what to do. This girl, this girl must not be dead. My daughter's going to live. He said not to be afraid. He said not to be afraid and that, and that I should only believe. And he has, you know, if we'll take the promises of God and we'll do the same thing with them, they'll work the same way for us. If you say, yeah, I tried that and it doesn't work. Again, your faith won't outlast your patience. I've also tried things and failed at them. But I do know one thing. God is faithful to keep His promises. And that if I've ever failed to lay hold of something, if I've attempted to but failed to, I know the issue's with me, it's not with Him. And it's not some unknowable, mysterious will of God is why I didn't get an answer this time. There's a lot of things that we cannot see that have been set in motion by our words or by the words of the individual that we simply don't know. But sometime on the other side of it, we will know things. We will become aware of some things and have some questions answered. It'll be cleared up in our mind. Don't look in condemnation and judgment on each other if they're not things aren't working out like they say they're believing for. Just believe with them. Encourage them. Remind them, you know what? God is faithful to watch over His Word to accomplish it. Stick with it, brother. Stick with it, sister. Stand on His Word. And like this woman, use the fountain of life God has given you to declare how it's going to be. I will touch Him and I will be made whole. All right, stand with me if you would. I feel like before we, before we go into our songs of worship, um, I want to pray a prayer over you breaking agreements that you may have made Seeds that you planted of that were death or, or that are now working against you. And I want to put those under the blood of Jesus. And if you'll just agree with me at the end of the prayer and say amen, then it applies to you. Amen means so be it. Okay? And if you'll say that, we're going to break some of those things off so that it opens up the flow of heaven to you. Father, we present ourselves right here to you tonight. And Lord, I'm very grateful that you made our tongue carry the power of life and death. And Father, we repent for times where we've used it to death when we were in the wrong. Lord, where we've said words that were just pointless and useless or said words that are now have trapped us and ensnared us and are working against us. Father, I put all of these words, these death confessions under the blood of Jesus and by the name of Jesus, I break their power over you. They no longer have power over you and over your future in Jesus' name. Father, I bind those things. You said what I bind would be bound. They are now bound. Father, I loose from heaven in the name of Jesus the power of their words for life. The power of our words for the good. And the things they've said in the past. The words of life. The things you have said about them that they have agreed with. I call those things into manifestation in Jesus' name. 
Lord, I thank you that you, you strengthen each one of us on the inside. That those blockages are now removed and that we can freely receive from you life and health and provision. That we can receive and hear from you and be led by you and see the things you want us to see. I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you that you've given us life and given it more abundantly. Someone open up your mouth now and begin to declare life over yourself. Say amen to it first of all. And now declare life over yourself. Say, I'm full of the life of God. My words work for me. I will go up and not down. I am the head and not the tail. He has made me more than a conqueror. I have world-conquering faith living on the inside of me. The greater one lives in me. I walk in victory. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship Him. you're so grateful that he watches over his word to accomplish it and that all of the promises in him are yes and amen that he's redeemed us from the curse of the law not because of our own goodness but because of his not because of works we've done but because of things he'd done and we get to benefit we get to benefit. Father, I thank you for this victory. Thank you that you made us the head and not the tail. Thank you that you gave to us the promises in Abraham through the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you filled us with your Spirit. And I ask you even now, Father, to fill us fresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would cause us to become very acutely aware of your presence. That as we go this week, that we would be sensitive to your direction, to your bidding, to your leading. And Lord, we will follow you. We'll walk with you. We yield to you in all things. Who can say amen to that? Amen. amen. All right, so that starts here tonight. So if you, if you 
as you go, as you spend time in fellowship with each other, be sensitive to the Lord because He would have you encourage each other. That's one of the things that specifically it says in the Word is supposed to happen when we come together that we encourage each other. Not everyone come be encouraged by the pastor, but it says that we encourage one another. So all of us have a part to play in that. So be checking on the inside as you greet people and as you say hello to people. Is there anything He wants you to say to them? Any way of encouragement to them. And as you yield to Him, that door will open wider and wider and you'll just go away extremely blessed. Both blessing and being blessed. Amen? Alright, one way we love God in this house is we love Him by blessing one another. So do that as you go. Welcome, 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 one and all. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, Welcome to Church of the Word. I invite you to stand up with me. We're going to worship the Lord and we're going to be scriptural. How many of you want to be biblical tonight? Yeah. Well, Psalms 147 verse 1 says this, Hallelujah, how good it is to sing to our God, for praise is pleasant and lovely. So let's do exactly that. Let's be the most scriptural that we know how. Let's sing praises to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. specific right now that you're grateful to God for something specific right now by show of hands that you can think of something that you're grateful for you know you can be grateful for we just look around right there's many things to be thankful for I've been in places where people were starving where they didn't have houses they didn't have homes places that were worn torn Places where there was famine, where there was little children with pop bellies that were, didn't have enough to eat. There's no one like that here tonight. All of us have a place to lay down our head. All of us have, have food to eat. And if you don't, come talk to me. I'll make sure you do. And, and if you don't get to talk to me, talk to someone. This place is full of people who are doers of the word. They'll make sure that you're taken care of. We have so much to be grateful for. And it's easy to... Become forgetful. Take things for granted. You know, it's always been this way. This is what we know. You know, are you grateful for being, living in the greatest country on earth? I mean, this is a, a nation that we have so many privileges that many nations do not have. 
You know, I'm not concerned that anyone's going to knock on my door tonight and arrest me for serving the Lord. I'm not concerned that, that there's going to be my door kicked in and they're going to line my kids up in the street and tell them if they don't renounce the Lord, they're going to put a bullet in their head. But there's places right now that are under that kind of duress and persecution. When was the last time you thanked the Lord for a vehicle to drive? Or that you could have gas to put in the vehicle? There's places where they can't get gas right now. How many times have you thanked the Lord for... I know we have a corrupt healthcare system in many ways, but we still have many advances in science in the healthcare system available at our fingertips. How many of you are thankful that your future is not one of burning in hellfire? Amen. Amen. Right? I mean, we, we've been so given the right to be called the children of yes. God. Now, it's our choice whether we enter that agreement with Him or not. But we've been given the possibility of es escaping that kind of torment that was made for the devil and his angels. And we can spend it in the presence of God, mm -hmm. enjoying the good things for the rest of forever. I mean, that's something to be grateful Amen. for. Amen. If you've ever been freed from condemnation or any kind of addiction or, or any kind of darkness or bondage in any way, you know, thanking the Lord one time for that is great, but living a lifestyle of thanksgiving is better. Amen. You know, David wrote the Psalms, or many of them, and he would thank the Lord for things that happened hundreds of years earlier where he wasn't present and he didn't know anybody that was present. Thank the Lord that he had parted the Red Sea. When was the last time you thanked the Lord for parting the Red Sea for the children of Israel to get through? Or that you thank the Lord for sending quail and feeding them. Or that you thank the Lord that He gave Noah direction on how to build an ark. I mean, that directly affected you. When was the last time you thanked the Lord for blessing Abraham and giving him precious promises that were transferred to you? See, if, if we have a lack of thanksgiving, it's not because we don't have things to be thankful for. It's a heart problem. And so let's not let it be named with us. Let's be the most thankful, the most Thank generous, the most giving people that we know. Nobody is as thankful as we are. Amen. Not because we have something to prove, but because we have someone to praise. Amen. All right? Amen. Let's just thank Him a little bit. Father, I bless You. I worship You. Thank You, Lord. I lift my hands up to You, Lord, because You are good. I surrender to You because You are kind. Your promises are forever. They are everlasting. And I take a hold of them and thank you for watching over your word to perform it. Thank you for giving and washing me in the blood of the Lamb and giving me your righteousness. Thank you for, for loving me. Thank you for giving me a family, for giving me a warm place to live. Thank you, Lord, that I've been born into this country and that I live in Pennsylvania. You are good to me. And I thank you, Lord. Turn to your neighbor and tell them one thing you're thankful for. Alright, no, don't get all happy and talk to each other. Time out, time out. We're not there yet. We're just telling them something we're thankful for. You guys are getting ahead of me. Alright? You know what I'm thankful for? is people that love the Lord that I get to call family. Amen.
that I get to call you guys family. Amen. Because even if you don't attend this church, you're still in the family of God. Amen. We're Amen. still family. Amen. Would you like to turn and greet each other now? <laughs> well, don't do it because we're still not ready. Amen. You can be seated. Sometimes it's good to just mess with you a little bit. What I would like is for Travis and Kate to come up and bring little James with them. He is one of the newest additions to Church of the Word. Here, come over here to this side. And um, we're going to have a baby dedication. And what that means to us in this house is we don't do baby baptisms. But we do believe that it is right to dedicate our little ones to the Lord. And we know that in time they're going to have to make the decision for themselves to follow the Lord. But before that time comes, it's good to present them to the Lord and say, Lord, here they are. They're yours. Have your way with them. And it's also good to pray for the parents that they'd have wisdom to know how to raise James to walk in the ways of the Lord. And Psalms 127. In verse 3 it says, Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. Granted, you know, everyone has different sized quivers, but some people bigger than others. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. Sons are a heritage of the Lord. And, and we want to recognize tonight that He's blessed you guys. He's answered your prayers. Right? We prayed with you, right? And uh, asked the Lord for His help. And right here's the answer to prayer. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And you can say, we do. In fact, let me get a, a microphone. James is already agreeing with it. And, um, and then at some point I'll turn and I'll ask you as a congregation some questions and you can say we do as well. All right, Travis and Kate, do you desire that your child will grow in the fear and admonition of the Lord? And do you promise to provide for James a Christian home where God is honored and His Word is taught? We do. Do you pledge yourselves to live in such a way that your words and actions will commend Jesus and His church to James? We do. Do you promise that you will be a spiritual guide for James, praying and watching for the day when he will be ready to receive Christ as personal Lord and Savior? We do. All right, to you, the people of God in this house, do you covenant with Travis and Kate to provide a loving church home for James? We do. And do you promise to continue teaching the Bible in this church so that James will never lack hearing the truth of God's Word? We do. Is there anything that you guys would like to say before we pray? had a specific verse that we were praying while we were trusting God for him and praying over him during um, pregnancy and everything. So it's 1 Samuel 1, 27 to 28. 
For this child I have prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. Amen. That's wonderful. All right, let's pray for little James. Father, I thank you for your goodness in bringing James to Travis and Kate. Thank you for answering their prayer. Father, we present him to you right now. And we just celebrate his life. And we ask you to have your way in him and through him all the days of his life. Lord, I declare your blessing on James, your protection upon James, that you, you've given angels to protect him. Lord, and that they would stand guard around him. Thank you, Lord, that as he matures and grows older, he's going to hit the mark, that he's going to answer the call that you put in his life. And I thank you for that. Lord, I ask too for wisdom for Travis and Kate and that you would just give them an anointing to parent James, to raise him up, to love you, to serve you. Give them understanding that goes past all of, of any experience they have. But Lord, that they even know before things happen how to deal with it, what to do about it. In Jesus' name, and amen. We have a gift for you here. All right, you may be seated. All right, would you still like to turn and greet each other and give each other a hug? All right, you may do that. And while you're doing that, let's send the children to their, their classes and the teachers to their various places. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to see you all here tonight cold outside but warm inside amen <laughs> all right well we'd like to welcome you here if you're here for the first time to church of the word international can you just raise your hand so we can acknowledge you clap for you a little bit promise we won't make you get up right here well welcome thanks for coming out tonight <laughs> we trust you'll be blessed all right well we're going to prepare to return the tithe so if you need a cash envelope you can raise your hand and the ushers will bring you one. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. And by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. And we're going to return the tithe from a heart of love. Amen? Amen. Love and honor. You know, tithing demonstrates outwardly that God is our source, that we put him first, and it's demonstrating a heart of honor to the Lord. And that you're trusting him. You're trusting him to keep his word, trusting him to provide. And part of trusting him is believing that when he says that he wants to bless you and I, believing him. He does want to bless us. He wants us to have that life more abundant so that we can be a blessing, Amen. to be a channel. Well, we've been talking about that. Numerous scriptures that show us and reveal to us that God wants us to flourish and prosper and increase and all of that. But it's up to us to believe it or not. It's up to us to act on it or not. And it's up to us, well, if you act on it or not, it's whether or not you'll reap it. So turn to Proverbs, and we're going to look at another factor in you and I's prosperity. Um, and that is being generous, being a generous person. And I'm connecting with that and specifically being generous to the poor, giving to the poor. Proverbs says this, uh, chapter 11, verse 24, says, One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. 
A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. See, when I concern myself with someone else's burdens or someone else's needs, that's a promise that mine also will be looked after. Amen? Proverbs 22.9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Turn over to Proverbs 14. Don't lose sight of the fact that we are to be, we don't give to the poor out of what's in it for us. We're motivated by love. We're motivated by compassion. But when we go and do that, you don't want to divorce one truth from another. The word just says this, says that if you refresh others, you're going to be refreshed. If you um, share with the poor, you're going to be blessed. So we don't want to divorce one truth from another. So looking at um, Proverbs 14, verse 31 says, I, want to, I found this very interesting as I was studying how personal the Lord takes what we do or do not do for the poor. It's really strong language that jumps out at me through all these scriptures. So in uh, Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Contempt for the Lord if you're oppressing the poor. I mean, he take, that's a personal attack on him. Whoever is kind to the needy honors God is the last part of that, of that verse. Whoever is kind to the needy honors the Lord. He's taking it personal. And then over in Proverbs 19, verse 17, says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Giving to the poor is the equivalent of giving God a loan. And when you think about a loan, you think about something that you're temporarily parting with with the expectation of it being returned, right? I mean, that's why I say that's, that's really strong language. You are kind to the poor, give to the poor. Lord's saying, you loaned it to me, and I will repay. I will reward you for that. Proverbs um, 28, 27 says this, is those who give to the poor lack nothing. That's really strong. Those who give to the poor lack nothing. You know, whether you consider yourself in need or not, whichever boat you think you're in, this will work for you. So this doesn't just apply to, oh, okay, well, well, I classify myself as lack or poverty or poor, so y'all need to send it this way because I'm in this. No, you especially need to be doing this (laughs) because it'll work for you. The word is true. And isn't that awesome that we can count on God's faithfulness, count on him to keep his word. And really what we're talking about is the law of sowing and reaping in operation. You know, you're generous, like uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says. You know, you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. So take a hold of your tithe or your offerings. We're just going to thank God that his word is true and we can count on it. Amen. Father, I thank you that you're here with us tonight and that you desire to see us prosper, desire to see us flourish in every way. And so we just thank you for these promises. Thank you for these truths. And we present the tithe to you as part of our honor and worship to you. And we thank you, Lord, that you've promised to meet all of our needs, that you've promised to open the windows of heaven on our account. 
Lord, I just ask you that you open up our hearts to more revelation on these things. Show us how we can be a blessing and show us who you want us to be a channel of blessing, a channel of provision to, and we'll obey you as we sense your spirit. We will obey you. We'll be sensitive. And thank you, Lord, for all these good things in Jesus' name. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, we've got youth and young adult here at the, at the building tomorrow night, 6 to 8. And men's group is coming up on the 28th. That's going to be at Shane Berger's home at 8 a.m. Please let Shane or Josh or somebody know if you plan to attend. Yes, Shane? No, I was just letting you know. Oh, who, who Shane is. Okay, well, that's, that's a great idea. Shane there in the yellow shirt. We have another ladies' night coming up. If you are interested in being a part of that, that's going to be at the Taj Mahal. Wow. Oh, I don't know if I know where that restaurant is or what. <laughs> okay, sounds pretty ritzy. Sounds like a great place. <laughs> the Taj Mahal. I don't know. Did I, did I say that right? When? Uh, January 30th, so it's right here in the bulletin um, at 6 p.m. <laughs> you can let Karen know if you're planning to be at that, so... Taj Mahal, that sounds exciting. Might want to get your tickets booked, though. Because I think that's somewhere overseas. As many of you know, we gave this booklet of declarations out in our end-of-year giving receipts. And if for some reason um, you didn't get a receipt or you want to pick up extra copies, we have them down at the door. I think there was maybe 40 extra copies, so we'll probably um, need to put more down there soon. Um, but help yourself to those, and then eventually we'll put a handful of them down into the bookstore as well so that you can pick them up and use them or, or give them out if someone is wanting them or needing them. Also, let's see, I covered the books. Oh, one wanted to bring you um, up to speed on what's happening this coming week. On Tuesday, we're going down and we're having our first church service Bible study in Richmond. And uh, we already had, you know, a meeting several weeks ago, which was our meet and greet. And so now we're having the first service. And um, Apostle Dale, I've asked him to, to minister. And I am taking him and John down uh, by the airplane. And that is Tuesday evening at 6.30 is when the service is. If you would like to come down to it, of course you're welcome, and um, ask myself or one of the others that are going for the address and we can get it to you. I will be emailing out in the email that a number of you have signed up for to be prayer partners with. Um, I'll be emailing in there the address as well and time and just an update there. So I would appreciate if you would um, pray and believe with us for the Lord to have His way as we continue to press into what He's put before us. You know, I've had someone ask me, well, what, what's this going to look like, or what's that going to look like? Well, um, I don't know, but He does. And it's not my job to know 12 steps ahead of where I'm at, but it is my job to know the next step or two, just, just what I have to do right now. And uh, this, this past week, I was, uh, went to a hotel, and I hold myself up, and locked the door and was spending time in prayer and just alone with the Word. 
in the Lord and was seeking him on guidance on some things. And, and one of the things he told me, he said, you know, you don't need to get a whole year's worth of leading in one setting. What you need is the next step. And so I thought, well, that's really good advice. And so that's all we're looking for is we just want the Lord to lead us step by step. And in the end, we'll look back and go, wow, that was a really good way to go about it all. Yeah, well, it was His doing, not ours, right? 